to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. So we're in our current series, Anticipate, as Abby has mentioned, Anticipate. And so we've explored a couple different ideas, but we've been looking at the idea of how God shapes our faith through waiting and how God invites us into intentional practices of waiting uh, that actually help us inhabit our longing, our longing for the coming of Christ. And also this idea that, that when we understand and accept, and this is something Adam explored last week, understand and accept Jesus's lordship, that, that he has the last word, that we're actually freed to hope and expect for what is to come. And so uh, it's been an encouraging uh, season for me, uh, Advent, speaking of Advent. Uh, it's been an encouraging series, but I also have, I have a confession to make. I'm really bad at waiting. I'm really, really bad at waiting. Uh, let me tell you a story about how bad I am at waiting. And, and, and I don't do this anymore because uh, in, in entering into our, our ninth year of marriage with Luann, I'm hopefully getting a little bit better at being a better husband, uh, like, you know, a little bit better at a time, right? Uh, but during our first few years of marriage, this is how bad I, I don't like waiting. Around Christmas time, I would go to the Christmas tree and I'd pick up the gifts. And I wouldn't open the gifts, but I would try the guess. I'd pick them up and I would shake them and I'd feel the weight and I'd look at the shape of the gift and I was, I was like really good at guessing. And I'd say, Luann, is it this? And of course, she wouldn't tell me, but I could tell by the look in her eye if it, if it was or not. And so over the years, she began to wrap the gifts in all sorts of different shapes and packaging and boxes than the original packaging it came in. And still, somehow, I would pick it up and figure it out and be like, this is, you know, and she'd weigh it down with rocks and stuff. I'd be like... So this is a pillow. I know it's got to be a pillow. And she's like, that look. And so I don't do this. I don't do this anymore um, because I realized that this kind of ruined the experience for my wife, Luann, right? So now I just avoid the Christmas tree. I just don't go near it because I don't want to be tempted to pick up the packages and try and guess what they are. So maybe you're a bit like me and you don't like waiting either. Anyone else like that in the room? Don't like waiting? And, and I'm sure there's a range of things we can think about that we don't like waiting for. Something that's a big problem here in Vermont. Traffic, right? <laughs> traffic. When you're down on, down on Route 7 during rush hour, it's just a, you know, poor us poor Vermonters and our Route 7 traffic or or maybe, the, maybe you're stuck at five corners around the time that school lets out in Essex, right? And you're stuck behind a bus, man. Uh, it can be tough when new... <laughs> nah, there's no problems in Winooski. <laughs> or what about this, like, online shopping? So if you're like me, when you're shopping online, you actually filter the items out by what 
is going to be shipped in two days, right? We don't want anything that's going to take three to five days, so I filter all of that out, right? Anyone else like that? You hit the filter button, right? We don't, we don't like waiting. So there's some frivolous things that we don't like waiting for, and if that two-day thing takes three days, we're writing emails, we're sending tweets. Some of us are writing handwritten letters. How could you, Amazon? My vacuum robot miracle arrived in three days and not two. Wait for food. We don't like waiting for food. Some of us at church are often waiting for food. Church is, church is just like the interlude between meals, right? We don't like waiting. Some of us are waiting for food right now. We wait for the arrival of someone we love. My seven-year-old daughter, when she knows that family or a friend that she loves is coming to town, she'll actually create a calendar and literally count down the days until their arrival. And so we wait for more serious things as well. We wait for the results of a test, right? School, medical, otherwise. For some of us, that's all too real. Right now, we wait for a court date or a decision that's being made on our behalf. So there, there are serious things. And, and Advent is this reminder uh, that waiting plays such an important role in our lives. But we, we don't like waiting very much. And I actually think that this is the beauty of Advent. It reminds us, those of us who are comfortable in waiting and those of us who are more like me and uncomfortable in our waiting. It reminds us of the importance of waiting. It's this reminder in the church calendar of of why we wait, how we wait, and what we're waiting for. And so Adam and and Abby have done a really great job at exploring this theme over the past couple weeks. Uh, And we're also reminded of the importance of waiting all throughout Scripture, and, and, and the important role that waiting plays in our faith tradition all throughout the Bible. And so this, this morning, uh, I want to explore another aspect of waiting called present waiting. This is the theme for this morning's sermon, present waiting. It's a message that I need desperately myself. So I'm just taking you along for the ride with me this morning, but as someone who's frustrated with waiting. So I want to turn to a passage in John 16 where we're going to hear from Jesus on this theme of uh, present waiting, and he's instructing his disciples on, on what it looks like to be present in our waiting. So this is John 16, and this is the New American Standard Bible, uh, starting in verse 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Thank you, Jesus, for being so clear with us. Some of his disciples then said to one another, what is this thing that he is telling us a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me. And, and because I go to the father. So they were saying, what? Is this that he says, a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wished to question him, and he said to them, Are you deliberating together about this, that I said, a little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, 
but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain. This is true. I can attest to that because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. So there's a lot that we could unpack here in this passage. And if you are confused by Jesus's figurative speech, that's okay. You have permission to feel confused. I think that's why the author John includes things like the disciples asked, what is this thing he's telling us? It's a good question to ask of the words of Jesus. What is this thing he's telling us? And I actually think that what Jesus is doing here is he's inviting his disciples to anticipate. He's inviting them into the practice of waiting here in John 16. And so his disciples are a bit confused because it's not clear to them when they're supposed to be waiting. Jesus kind of says a little while and then a little while. It's not clear when they're supposed to be waiting, what they're waiting for, and how they're supposed to wait. So there's not a lot of clarity for them. So I want to point to a couple things in this passage that I think Jesus is clear about, and there are two of them. They're very simple, um, but it's this. Waiting isn't easy. This is one of the things Jesus is clear about. Waiting isn't easy. In fact, at times, it can be downright painful. Like more painful than when our Roomba takes three days to get to us, right? So waiting isn't easy. It can be, it can be painful, it can be painful. And then the second thing that Jesus is really clear about in this passage is that waiting, though often painful and full of grief, when we're empowered by the Spirit, that it, that it will give way to joy. That it will give way to joy. So while I was praying, thinking, reading the scripture about this idea of waiting and anticipate, um, and, th- and this theme that we've been exploring during Advent, this is This is my first thought. This is my first thought. This is where my mind first goes when I jump into this theme and when I jump into this passage is that our problem, our waiting problem, our frustration comes from, it's because we don't have what we don't have yet. We we don't have what we will have or what we think we need or what we want. But the more I've been thinking about this and the more I've been praying about this, I actually think that the Spirit of God often wants to take us deeper below the kind of surface message, right? Because there is a sort of pain associated with not having what is to come. But there's this other aspect that maybe our waiting, our problem with waiting is not that we don't have what is not yet, but maybe our problem with waiting is that we don't know how to be present in our waiting. Often because it isn't easy and because it isn't painful. And so our our problem with waiting is that we failed to recognize the goodness and the presence of God in our midst, right here, right now, in the midst of whatever we are waiting for, right? We have this beautiful prayer tapestry that is this physical, tangible reminder from a couple weeks ago of all of the things 
that are on our heart that we are waiting for, longing for. So if you didn't get, have an opportunity to participate in that a couple weeks ago, uh, we each wrote something on, this, on a piece of fabric that expressed a longing or something that we are waiting for, a burden of ours, and it was weaved together into this beautiful prayer tapestry as a reminder uh, that God invites us into the practice of waiting. So ch- check that out uh, after the service and maybe go up and ask for prayer as well uh, with the prayer team who will be up here at front. But the, 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 the failure to be present to God here and now I believe that is actually the root of our waiting problem. The failure to be present to God here and now is actually at the root of our waiting problem. By the way, culture doesn't want this problem to be addressed. I'm not talking about like the kind of a a semi-fabricated culture war idea when I use the word like culture, like, oh man, they're taking Christ out of Christmas. I'm actually just talking about the undercurrent of, of the culture that we live in, which is capitalism, consumerism. So, so why would culture not have a problem with our waiting problem? It's like the driving force of our economy, right? The message is this. You feel the way you do because you don't have this, and you can have it, Not only can you have it, but you can have it now on Amazon Prime. You just have to pay for it. So our culture has no no problem with our waiting problem not being addressed because it's a really good way to sell us things. Because if our waiting problem is primarily what we don't have, then we can place that onto something we can get on Amazon Prime, right? But when we're not present in our waiting, we miss the presence of God that fuels our joy in our waiting. When we're not present in our waiting, we miss the presence of God that fuels the joy in our waiting. Here's a problem with what I just said, because I kind of pointed out that that's the problem. The problem is the failure to be present to the presence of God here and now is at the root of our waiting problem. It doesn't really help us just saying that. Um, This is why I'm thankful for Jesus's instructions here in John 16. So I want us to remember the two things that Jesus is clear about. Waiting isn't easy. That Waiting, even though it's not easy, it can be painful, full of grief, will eventually give way to joy. I want to jump into the latter of those two a bit, that even though painful, and can be full of grief in our waiting. It will eventually give way to joy. So let's look at uh, verse 20 through 22 again. And this is an encouragement to me as someone who's really bad at waiting. This is what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Here's what I'd like to point out about what Jesus says here about grief being turned into joy in our waiting. 
Jesus says, I'll see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. What's the turn of event from grief to joy here in this passage? Can we have the verse 22 up again, Chandler? Therefore, you have grief now, but I will see you. I will see you. So Abby explored a couple weeks ago this idea of how, how and why we wait, and Adam explored how we're filled with hope for what is to come when we center our lives on the lordship of Jesus because he is the final word, right? The final say. It's a good message. I think those are so important, but I'd like to draw us into another idea, an idea that helps us into this idea of present waiting or understanding the presence of God in the midst of our waiting is that it's not only important how and why we wait and and what we're waiting for and centering our lives on the Lordship of Jesus, but it's also who we are waiting with, who we are waiting with. And the turn from grief to joy is I will see you. And this, this reality, I think, actually has the power to transform our pain and our grief into joy in our present waiting, that, that it centers our souls and spirits on the presence and goodness of God here in our midst, here and now. So according to Jesus, it's not about how good we are at waiting or perfecting the art of waiting. It's about how good God to us, is to us in our waiting. That's good news. That's really good news for someone like me who is really bad at waiting. That's not about how good we are at waiting. It's not about perfecting the art of waiting. It's actually about how good God is to us in the midst of our waiting. So to wait well, as we think about what does this mean, is less about how clearly we can see God in our waiting but it's actually about growing in our awareness that we are seen, loved, and embraced by God through Jesus. And now this is kind of a paradox, like a lot of things in Scripture and a lot of things in faith, that, that while we wait, so we wait and we work for what is to come, right? Those are good things to do. We wait and we work for what is to come because all is not right. All is not well. God is restoring, redeeming, and reconciling a broken world, but still, all is not right. So we wait and we work, but we can also confidently agree with Jesus in his declaration, it is finished, right? What's the great announcement to us that we are seen and loved and embraced by God? That we are seen. It's the cross. I'm going to often draw us back to this place in my sermons as much as I can. And we have a little bit of um, hindsight to look back at this passage and actually realize that what Jesus is talking about a little while then and a little while there, that he's actually speaking about his death and his resurrection, right? And his death and his resurrection as followers of Jesus is the great announcement that we are seen and known by God. But what's beautiful about this is not only in Christ's death and his resurrection are, is, are we 
do we receive this announcement, this good news that we're seen, loved, and embraced by God? But we're, we're, actually, um, we're actually, it's who we are also seen and loved and embraced by, right? We, we're seen by one who knows the depths of pain, the depths of anguish, right? And one who has come through that into new life, right? And so we have this model of the ex- exactly the type of thing that we are called to as humans who are embraced and loved by Jesus, that there, there is often pain and anguish involved in our story, in our journey, but there is also new life, resurrection that we have available to us here and now. So we have the cross. That's uh, uh, the great announcement that we're seeing, and this is the, the power that transform us in our waiting. Now, there was a theologian in Germany during World War II, and Abby quoted him a few weeks ago as well. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he said what I was just trying to articulate a little bit better. And so I have that quote for you this morning. And he's actually speaking about joy in our waiting, and he's talking about two different types of joy. Some others like the kind of joy that we create for ourselves, and then there's the joy of God. And so, the, could we get that quote up there, Chandler? This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about joy. He's first speaking not about the joy of God, the other kind of joy. Because there's a sort of joy that ex- exists that knows nothing at all of the heart's pain, anguish, and dread. It does not last. It can only numb a person for the moment. The joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger. Advent is the season we're in, right? And the agony of the cross. That is why it is invincible, irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish when it is there, but finds God in the midst of it. In fact, precisely there. It does not deny grave sin, but finds forgiveness Precisely in this way, it looks death straight in the eye, but it finds life precisely within it. Full of joy, we are enabled to believe that there was and is one to whom no human suffering or sin is foreign, and who in deepest love accomplished our redemption only in such joy In Christ the Redeemer shall we be preserved from hardening ourselves where human suffering encounters us. If we don't want to be grasping for the first type of joy, the type of joy that doesn't last, that can only numb us for a moment, how do we remind ourselves that we're seen by Jesus in our waiting? How do we be present in our waiting, so we don't miss the presence of God here and now, the type of presence that fuels our joy. There's a preacher, I have four P's for us. Presence, practice, petition, perspective. It's the presence of God that actually has the power to transform our grief to joy in the midst of our waiting. And as we grow in our awareness, we actually cultivate intentional practices in our lives where we're being intentional about growing in that awareness. So right now in my life, 
Uh, I've been trying to. I haven't done the best job at it. But through this season of Advent, I've actually been engaging with something that's called a daily office. If you don't know what a daily office is, you can just Google it and you can kind of find one for yourself as well uh, that works well for you. Uh, I'm using one written by a pastor in Queens. Uh, His name is Rich Viotas. Pastors are really amazing uh, faith community there in Queens. And uh, so I've been engaging this as a way of being present in my waiting in this season. This was essentially just you take a few minutes, a few times a day to uh, sit quietly before God and to read scripture and to pray and then to end with another minute or two in silence before God. And what I love about the daily office is there's actually just, it starts with and it ends with just silence before God, just focusing on the presence of God. And I actually think that it's just a beautiful example of how we are transformed in our waiting, that it's us being seen by God, not our perfect job at seeing God, but it's actually us being seen by God. It just helps us grow in our awareness, different uh, practices of faith. So I haven't been perfect at that, but it has been something that has helped center me in my waiting in this season. Um, And then petition and perspective. If we keep on reading in John 16, a couple verses down, Jesus says, In that day you will not question me about anything, But I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. So if God sees you in your waiting, he also sees what you need in your waiting. It's the tapestry, right? He sees what you need in your waiting. So we pray. Petition, and actually in our petitioning, I think we can have an opportunity to have a perspective shift as well from grief into joy. So I want to share a story with you as well. Uh, from a few weeks back, this is three-ish, maybe three or four weeks ago, I was down in New York City, and uh, Luann and our two daughters had traveled down to go to a charity event. Uh, my uncle runs a nonprofit in New York City. And we got there about to the city about an hour before the event were to start. And I dropped the girls off at the hotel so they could finish getting ready. And I went to go find a parking spot. I drive into the city because, you know, I love the fine parking spots. And I approached a T and a, a bus came into my lane and crashed into my vehicle. And... and I wasn't hurt. The car was very hurt. <laughs> and it was not a joyful experience. So if I say it was snowing, there was, this is uh, in an area of the city where I wasn't super familiar with that I tried to avoid. It was Wall Street. So if you know that kind of uh, area, it's not a fun area to have a car. Um, so there was tons of traffic. It was snowing. I was outside. I was waiting for uh, NYPD to show up. And it was really lame. It was a really bad experience. And I had this moment where I'm waiting for NYPD to show up. So I'm waiting for NYPD to show up. NYPD shows up. They're preparing the report and all that sort of thing. And 
I know at this point I'm going to miss the event that I came down here for. So, I, you know, I text Luana, say, got into a car accident, I'm fine, but definitely not going to make it. Go to the event. Maybe I'll meet you there. <laughs> so Luann, you know, lugs Anaya and baby Zia to the subway, and they head uptown to the event. And I had this moment that is only like a, one of those like grace of God moments. But I'm sitting in the car, and um, so I'm sitting in the car, and I'm very frustrated. I'm disappointed in my waiting because I know that, like I'm going to miss the event that I just drove, you know, seven, eight hours to uh, come to and paid for the hotel room and that sort of thing. So I'm like really disappointed, and the Spirit of God just um, gave me this sort of joy that only the Spirit of God can give you in that moment and turned my grief to joy. And he just put uh, people in our church who are on my heart. And so every week I get this uh, prayer list that Abby sent out to a few people who pray for uh, all, all the needs and, and people in our church throughout the week. And, uh, and there was a, like a last-minute prayer request that got added that week because uh, Tasha's grandfather passed away. And so I knew that I think at the time maybe you were even traveling uh, in the car on the last, last minute, didn't expect that. And I just had this perspective shift from grief to joy that like the presence of God was meeting me there in, in my place, in my waiting, in my anguish, and also like even opened me up to the possibility where I could, I could be an extension of God's grace through prayer to others who are in need as well. Um, in their own waiting, in their own anguish, in their own pain in that time. And so I just had this beautiful experience of how, like, presence, practice, petition uh, had, this, uh, had this perspective, created this perspective shift uh, in my life as well. So I want to conclude this morning uh, by continuing where Adam left off last week. This is where Adam concluded his sermon in Romans 8. So I'm going to continue reading from Romans 8, where Adam left off last week. It's a beautiful uh, section of scripture, and I'm going to be reading from uh, the message, which was written by Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson writes this in his telling of Romans 8. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother we are enlarged in the waiting. By the way, don't ever tell a pregnant mother that she is enlarging. It will not go well. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit 
is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He sees us far better than we see him. And he knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good, is worked into something good. So as we conclude this morning, may you find a practice that reminds you of God's presence in the present, no matter where you might find yourself. May you be present in your waiting, and may you ask the question, where can I see God in my waiting? May you be transformed by the reality that you are seen by the crucified and resurrected Jesus, finding God in your anguish, forgiveness in your grave sin, and may you find the joy of God that looks death straight in the eye and finds life precisely in it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness and your presence that is here with us now. God, right now we lift up our anguish, our pain in whatever we are waiting for, whether it was written on a piece of fabric a couple of weeks ago, or whether we carried it into the room as a heavy burden on our hearts. We bring that before you today. God, we ask that your presence would be made known to us, that you would remind us that we are seen by the crucified and resurrected Jesus. God, I ask that you would open our eyes to see you in our midst, in our waiting, in the things that are not easy, in the things that we are finding pain and anguish in. We bring them before, before you, and we ask that you would reveal your presence with us, that you are waiting with us, and you're the God who sees and understands and has the power to move us into joy and into life. And so we bring those before you today, God. God, as we sing one last song in worship, I pray that we would grow in our awareness of you and, and, and bring, bring our hearts to you wherever we might be and ask that you would change us, ask that you would transform us. And we ask that you would move us now in our waiting from grief to joy. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.